The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Benfica win four straight. The international break came and went. And before that, the transfer window closed. Lots to talk about there. And the UEFA Champions League is here again. It is happy times at Benfica. So much to catch up on on this edition of Mr. Benfica, episode 169, starts right now. Vosges! clubs in the world and um, so I think I love football and if you love football you love Benfica and it Benfica Nation, welcome to episode 169 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, here with you after a little bit of a hiatus. You guys that listen regularly now know that these come from time to time, but I am back here now after about, uh, I think about three or four weeks without an episode. I do apologize about that. We got a lot to talk about, and I don't have a lot of time because in about a little over an hour, I'm going to be jumping on YouTube with Gold TV's Nino Torres on his YouTube channel. Friend of the show, of course, Nino Torres. His voice has gone viral. His calls in this league are going all around the world. I assume now that the UK is not broadcasting the Liga Portugal, it looks like Nino's voice is the official English language voice of the Tugal. And um, in case you were sleeping under a rock, or living under a rock, I should say the last... Oh, month or so, going back to before the international break, his call of the, the Porto Aroca match and uh, the referee fiasco did go viral. I mean, they were breaking down his call word for word on CMTV and uh, on Sport TV, which is hilarious. And uh, he, he's just uh, doing such a good job promoting this league. And I'm very happy to jump on his, his channel anytime he invites me to talk about this league. And uh, I find it quite quite uh, rewarding to talk to him. And honestly, he is the biggest promoter 
of the Liga Portugal right now. He's talking football when everyone else is talking about polemica, talking about controversy, talking about referees. And, um, well, the league needs more Nino Torres' promoting it and less CMTVs. We all know that. So I'm going to be getting out of here a little early in this episode. I apologize about that, especially with how much we have to talk about. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can without, you know, leaving anybody in the dust, without leaving anybody confused. We're going to talk for a bit on on this weekend's match against Vizela. We traveled up north to take on Vizela. Once again, a tough place to go play, but I think uh, the performance was better than the result. And the result was fine. The 2-1 win, you'll take that any day of the week, especially coming off of an international break. But I thought the performance, especially in the first half, was better than that scoreline represents. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. We're also going to talk about the transfer window that closed, oh, 19, 18 days ago now. But I haven't been on here, haven't been able to talk to you about it. And um, I do think that this was a very important... uh, Point to get to for Befica for this window to close and for some some stability to come into the locker room, into the squad. And I think we got that now as the performances have been better since that window has closed. Um, this team is a long way from its full potential. I don't think anybody will deny that. But uh, I think most people see that there has been improvement since the uncertainty surrounding who's going to stay, who's going to leave has ended. Personally, the moment that the transfer window closes is my favorite time of every season in September and at the end of January. I hate the transfer window. I feel like this is when the Sharks just come pickpocket our, our assets, just take them. I don't care how much they pay us. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm tired of seeing Befica at the top of all these lists for the profit that they have that they have brought on player transfers the last 10 years. I want titles at this point. Yes, it is important to be stable financially. It is important to be making revenue. It is important to be selling players on to make room also for the Joanevs of the world to come through, the Antonio Sil- uh, the Antonio Silvas of the world to come through. Those don't happen if the players ahead of them don't get sold. So there is that is important, but let me tell you, the w- once the season starts, it, it is just brutal to see a player leave on the final days except uh this one was a little bit better for us because we uh i think we resolved some issues that were inside the team that needed to be resolved i think there were some some players that needed to be removed from the group just to put it nicely for better or for worse i'm not in there i don't know all the details but it seems like the the squad uh is a bit more united now and um yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this transfer window and all, obviously the Champions League. We're on the eve of our first match in the Champions League for 2023-2024. I'll talk about the group draw. Um, take a, maybe take a peek at some of the other groups if we have time. I meant to do a special on it, but you know what? Every time I go to record an episode, I end up working late. And then I get tired, and I say, I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and the same thing happens, and the same thing happens. And I you know, I started recording a women's football episode last week, um, right after the League Cup final. Oh, sorry, the Super Cup final that Befica won. And um, I didn't finish it. And then, well, they have a league game, and here we are again. And that's my next, uh, that's on the agenda for the rest of this week. But right now... I'm focused, obviously, on the men's team and on this episode. And when we come back from this quick little break, 
All right, we're going to hear Reconquista, and on the other side, we're going to start with this match against Vizela. I'll quickly run through the results leading up to that because the last time we talked about Benfica on this podcast was the 2-0 win over Estrela de Amadora. So we got two other matches in there to quickly gloss over, and then we'll get into this win uh, over Vizela on the road Okay, in Liga Portugal. Round number five, Benfica now within one point of the lead, and that was important. And um, it was one of our better returns to action from the international window. So um, thank you, Rafa. Thank you, João Mario, for not being on the national team anymore. That helps knowing that those guys are going to be are going to be rested when this when this window ends. Um, we're going to talk about Angel Di Maria as well because I think everybody kind of is in the same boat except Roger Schmidt. It seems. I might have some theories as to what Roger might be thinking. Uh, I'll get to that too. So we're going to take this quick break right now. Okay. Here's Reconquista. And when we come back, we'll get into Vizela 1, Benfica 2. Here on Mr. Benfica, episode 169, I'm the Mr. Mike Agostinho. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Agostinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Should I call it X now? Should I call it Twitter? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though. That app. All right. And I will be right back here on the podcast here on Mr. Benfica. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 169, the Mr. Mike Agostinho here with you. Let's catch up and let's uh, leave, let's pick up, I should say, where we left off back in episode 168. All right, we saw, we talked about Benfica winning that match 2-0 at the Luge against Estrela Amadora. We saw a goal from from Tinkstadt in that one, uh, opening his scoring account with Benfica. Huge goal to uh, to unlock that match. And to get the first three points of the season. The following week, Saturday, August the 26th, 
And I'm under the impression I was traveling that weekend as well, but I'm not sure anymore. Uh, it was Gilles Vicente hosting Benfica. And no, I was not. I was watching this in my living room. Uh, Benfica debuting the Black Kits in official matches this season in this one. And um, this was played in Barcelos, of course, at their stadium there. The stadium known as the Stadio Cidade de Barcelos, the Barcelos City Stadium. João Pinheiro was the referee in front of 11,792. A packed house for Gil Vicente uh, standards. And again, we won this one three to two, but it was against uh, it was right against our 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 skin, right right by the skin of our teeth, I should say. Uh, we took the lead early. Angel Di Maria converts a pen in the nineteenth minute, and then Antonio Silva makes it two nil. And I'm having trouble now remembering why I was listening to the end in the car. I forget again where I was going on the twenty sixth of August. Uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. I, I, I honestly have no recollection anymore where I was going. But I, I watched most of the match and then was uh, traveling. for. I listened to the final in the car, uh, the final 10 minutes. But anyway, we got a 2-0 lead. I thought things were going to be easy there. We all thought it was going to be easy. The team seemingly took the foot off the brake a little bit there. And in the 74th minute, it was Gil Vicente pulling one back. Uh, Tijani Torre scored on an assist from Kanya Fujimoto, making it 2-1, making things nerve-wracking. But then in stoppage time, Benfica seemingly puts it away as Peter Musa comes off the bench. No, he started. The, he did. He came off the bench in this one. We saw the start of... We saw... Arthur Cabral start in this match, and then Musa came off the bench. And Musa gets on the score sheet in the 90th plus four. I remember I heard that one in the car, and it should have been a good night. I think I turned the radio off at that point. Again, wherever I was going, I uh, I figured the result was was done at, at uh, 90 plus four. But four minutes later, Dominguez from a set piece makes it two to three, but then the referee blows his whistle for full time. Right after that, Benfica win three to two. In what was Samu Suarez's second start in goal. And three more points to Benfica here. Um, again, a scoreline that looks closer than it probably really was. As Benfica invited Gilles Vicente back into this match. Allowed them to uh, make this result closer than it should have been. Uh, not really. I'm not really putting any fault on Samu for these goals. But again, uh, everyone's. Getting, they're getting, uh, they're getting anxious here. Well, we're getting anxious here at this point because we still hadn't seen Trubin. He was on our bench, still not playing, um, and people are starting to wonder if Rogers lost his mind and he's going to go with Samu all season. Uh, I think cooler heads prevail. I think logic prevails that 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 Trubin had some ad- adjusting to do, some adaptation to do, and remember he's coming from having no preseason, just like Artur Cabral. Uh, it's going to take some time for these guys. I think, um, especially for Artur Cabral, he's going to need a little more time as a striker. Not having a preseason is showing his showing in his game right now. But uh, I do have faith in the player that he's going to turn it around and he's going to he's going to get us, you know, out of this out of this uh, funk here of of lacking a striker. I think he's going to become a key focal point in the team at some point, but I also don't think he's going to be that striker. That applies the the high pressure the way that Gonzalo Ramos did 
uh, when we get to the transfer market. I think uh, I'll talk about this guy a little bit more, but I think that job, when he's healthy, is going to belong to Gonçalves. She's going to lead that press, and I think that's why Gonçalves is here again for another season on loan. Uh, I misspoke. It was not Antonio Silva that scored. It was Rafa Silva who scored in this one in the 53rd. Rafa on fantastic early season form, as we have come to expect from him, as we are accustomed to with him. He starts the season very strong once again. And, of course, with Rafa, it's later in the season when the, when the minutes start to pile up, when the when the kilometers start to to, to to tally up, when the amount of hits he takes, the amount of hacks he takes start to tally up. That's when Rafa's form tends to drop just a tad bit. But uh, there, Benfica making it their second win of the season. And a week later, Saturday, September the 2nd, and I was traveling for this one. I was on my way to Philadelphia when this match was played. I ended up watching it just like I did uh, just like I did in Ohio. Uh, in Philadelphia, I watched this in my hotel room once I got there at night. After the fact, I managed to not get spoiled. And I'm glad I did so because Benfica put out a very good performance against Vitori Gimenez, winning 4-0. Uh, not a good start to the, to the match though. The first 10 minutes belonged completely to, to Vitoria, to the Conquistadores. It belonged completely to them. And then in the 11th, an own goal kind of switched, switched, uh, our fortunes up a little bit and put Benfica in the driver's seat. And then if we were in the driver's seat there, nine minutes later, João Mendes sent off rightfully so. I know it's a bit harsh, but the rules are the rules. And uh, I think it was he, he does put his studs into Otamendi's face. And the referee has no choice. The referee in this one was Nuno Almeida. Has no choice but to send him off. This match played in front of 60,410 at the Luge. And from there, Benfica complete control. And they would get three more goals. Di Maria in the 33rd. Cocchu with a wonder strike. A worldie, as some people call it, in the 45th plus five. And then at the start of the second half, it's Auschnitz has the left back again. And dare I say, he's starting to really look like our left back. Um, he gets on the score sheet here in the 46th minute. 4-0, the final result. Uh, once again, Di Maria goes practically the distance. And once again, Samu Suarez starts. That takes us in uh, to the international break. And only one point behind because of that carnival match, that circus match Porto played against Aroca, where they very nearly lost, if not for 22 minutes of stoppage time. I'm I'm not going to talk about that here, okay? I'm not going to talk about the VAR screen, you know, the monitor dying and the referee picking up a Nokia cell phone from 1995 to call the VAR official back at the Ciudad Football, back at the City of Football. That's been hammered in by everybody. Um, I spoke to, to Nino about it, and I spoke to, to Rui as well, Rui from the FC Porto podcast in English. We, we had a good conversation about it. Unfortunately, none of you saw it because, um, well... It, somehow something went wrong with the recording and it didn't make its way to YouTube but we had a great conversation about it I promise you and um, yeah I mean I think everything's been said about that match and about that fiasco and uh, it was really quite a look for the Portuguese league around the world um, and it really tests the theory that that no publicity is bad publicity because that was definitely bad publicity for the Liga Portugal. All right, let's get into this weekend's match now. Let's go a little deeper. Um, like I said, time is of the essence tonight. So 
Vizela hosting Benfica. This one being played Saturday, September the 16th. This past Saturday, it was an 8.30 p.m. local time kickoff in front of 5,584. Very small Estadio do Vizela, Vizela Stadium. Uh, very small stadium, like I said, in Caldas de Vizela in northern Portugal in Minho. Referee was Luiz Godinho. And um, Benfica come into the match. Like I said, trying to keep pace with the leaders, trying to keep pace with the three in front of them and stay within a point. Uh, Vizela trying to put in another tough performance against Benfica. And um, they've played Benfica reasonably well now in three matches since they've come to the first division, since they've returned to the first division, to be to be fair. Here is their lineup, uh, the, the hosts, that is, uh, for their manager, Pablo Villar. And uh, they're playing in a 4-2-3-1. The goalkeeper is the German Fabian Buntich with his back four. The right back is Tomasz Silva. The center back pairing Bruno Wilson partnering with Anderson, the Brazilian 28-year-old central defender. And the left back is another Brazilian player by the name of Matheus Pereira. Uh, 22 years old. No, not that Mateus Pereira, not Bebeto's son. Actually, I think that's Mateus Oliveira. Um, but Mateus Pereira, not the one that, also the one that played for Sporting all those years ago. Now, this guy came from Cruzeiro uh, and uh, joined Vizela on a free transfer back in July of 2022. The double pivot in midfield, Rafael Bustamante, the 23-year-old Colombian, partnering with Alexander Buznich, the Serbian 25-year-old, in the double pivot. In front of them, three attacking midfielders. On the right is Nuno Moreira. In the number 10 position is Samu, 27-year-old Portuguese attacking midfielder, who would get away with quite a challenge and somehow spared from the VAR. And this one should have been sent off, uh, at least by the criteria and the example that's been set in the league now for several seasons he starts in the the middle of the park and to his left is the venezuelan 20 year old matias lacava um, on the left wing and they're playing behind the striker samuel ascende a 25 year old french striker benfica coming out in their usual 4-2-3-1 that roger has implemented since he arrived but the big change is in goal and it is the Ukrainian international Anatoly Trubin, 22 years old, debuting for Ugloriozu, debuting for the Eagles, um, selected over Samu Swarish. And um, this was just something that was inevitable. And I think everybody thought that coming back from the international break was going to be the time that Roger finally pulled the trigger on this goalkeeper switch. We went out to get him in the summer window. Okay, um, Odie didn't like it. It became an issue. To be honest, I think that was part of the problem with Odie. And um, Odie is gone. And Odie, to be honest, when I talk about the transfer window, assuming I don't run out of time, um, I don't think he really picked him. He really kind of backed himself into a corner. And now, although he's much wealthier, I'm sure, and he's going to be earning a lot more money, he put himself in the same exact situation where he's going to be behind somebody, uh, at least challenging. At least he's going to have competition for the number one spot at Nottingham Forest behind the U.S. international Matt Turner. And to be honest, I rate Matt Turner higher than I rate Odie. And I have defended Odie for five seasons on this podcast. Most of the time I have had his back here. And um, 
it was an unfortunate way that he left the club, but I think that had as much to do with him as it did with anybody else. Uh, and um, he didn't really send himself to the, all that much better of a situation, if it better at all, other than financially. But again, financials are important, and I'm sure he's going to be very, very wealthy in England. Okay, the right back is Alex Ba. He was a doubt for this match. He had picked up a knock playing for Denmark. I think he might have even been training. I don't even think he made it to, to the pitch in a match. I could be wrong about that. Came back early, but guess what? We had no other option. And uh, shout out to the training staff that got him fit enough to play this match. He was very limited, but he did play. Hopefully he didn't do any further damage. Uh, he got the start at right back. Otamendi and Tony Silva, the center backs, no surprise there. Otamendi, fly, along with Di Maria, flying back from Bolivia. The, uh, you know, you hear them talk about a, a transatlantic flight. This is more than a transatlantic flight. They flew literally from uh, Bolivia's almost on the Pacific coast, okay, of South America. They flew all the way across South America and then all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. And both of them going 90 minutes in this match, which is uh, a talking point, no doubt, especially when talking about Di Maria. But they are the two starting center backs, Otamendi and Silva. Auschwitz gets to start once again at left back. That's because our new loanee, Juan Bernat, not ready to start, not fit at this point to play. He was not even on the substitutes bench for this one. Um, so that means Auschwitz sticks it out a little longer at left back. But uh, Bernat's got to get himself fit because I think we need we need Auschwitz to go into right back for a little while uh, so that Ba can heal up. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what tomorrow looks like in the Champions League. But um, that's the back four. In this one, double pivot. Uh, Roger sticks with Joao Neves and Kokshu. Florentino once again on the bench in this one. This is where Roger and I are different. For me, For me, Tino plays in these matches. I know Neves is playing out of his mind. John Snows is playing out of his mind. But... Uh, for me, for me, I start my team in the holding mid, and for me, it's Florentino Luis. But I'm not in charge. Roger Schmidt is, and he's doing just fine, uh, despite what what some fans on the internet say. Roger Schmidt doing just fine, and uh, he goes with Joel Neves, and Joel Neves puts in another massive performance to reward the manager for his faith. So, uh, yeah, those are the double pivot in midfield. Cockshu still adjusting to a double pivot position. He is not used to playing so far back. He's not used to playing so positionally. He's used to more freedom, moving further up the pitch. So still a work in pro progress, but so much quality there in Orkan Kokshu. Every time he's got the ball on his feet, those feet are magical. In front of them, three attacking midfielders with Rafa playing in the number 10 position, the very in-form Rafa Silva, of course. To his right, Angel Di Maria, the all-world world champion and um Multiple-time Champions League winner with Real Madrid, Angel Di Maria. And on the left, the always reliable, uh, even if unpopular, still reliable, João Mario. And they're playing behind the striker, Petar Musa, or as Nino calls him on Goal TV. And as you'll hear in a little while, Peter Parker is what he likes to call him. And I think he's Nino's favorite player, to be honest, at least on this Benfica team. Uh, those are the 11. I had said on Nino's show last week, um, nobody saw it because it was it ended up not getting recorded. But I had said that the, uh, Musa's running out of opportunities uh, to assert himself because every day that goes by, the, the guy you paid $20 million for is going to get more fit, is going to get more prepared. 
Moose has got to make the most of this opportunities. He does it in this one. He does it early. Uh, but if he could start on the front foot. And, and how phenomenal did these all-white kits look for Benfica? I fell in love at first sight with these kits. Oh, man, when the TV cut to Vizela Stadium and I see the team come out in all white, I mean my eyes. I, it was like the cartoon where my eyes had the hearts coming out of them. I was psyched. I got to get this shirt. Uh, I, I got to get this white this white jersey. But uh, if he got flying from the start and it took only nine minutes and in the ninth minute, well, let me let I'll let Nino tell you what happened here. It's 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 who I perceive to be his favorite player. So have a listen. Full force, Peter Parker for the Eagles, the Marvel Universe, bringing all the superpowers in these first eight minutes. And yes, the Croatian, the Croatian strikes again, and it's gonna be so tough, so tough for Roger Smith, Smith to play to bench this player, huh? Man, I gotta get him talk now, Jesus, man. So it's Peter Musa, a.k.a. Peter Parker, if you're watching the United States and North America, I should say, on Goal TV. You're used to hearing that name uh, with the goal there. Yeah, it took a little deflection, took a little hop, but you know what? It counts the same. It's a goal for Benfica. It counts on his individual tally. That's all that matters. Benfica take the lead in the ninth minute. And Benfica continue to dominate. This is a, a match where really... And I'm in agreement with a lot of the other podcasters because I've listened to four or five now different podcasts covering this match. And I'm in full agreement that this was Benfica's best first half all season. Really is their best first half all season. And um, they just really were dominant in this one, especially early on. And coming off an international break, that that's just huge. I was surprised to see Di Maria start. I thought this was the match where Roger was going to use... The travel has the opportunity to, to slide David Nedge into the starting lineup and bring Di Maria off the bench later, 60, 70th minute. And if things go well, maybe save them all together, given that we got a Champions League in game, which by the time you listen to this episode, uh, the Champions League match will probably have already been played. But at the time of recording, that match is tomorrow. Uh, so I thought that maybe we would go with that, but we didn't. Um, Roger opts to start Di Maria. And many people say that Di Maria is calling his own shots. Well, Di Maria is a superstar. Di Maria is right there. Okay, I really don't think this is an exaggeration in terms of the 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 respect he commands, and in terms of what he's done in this game, and in terms of his just uh, ability for his age, he is not really at all behind. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Okay, they're he's still in Europe. Okay, he's still in Europe. He is probably even more in the right to command playing time. He's probably more earned the right at this point to say when he plays and when he doesn't. I understand that's not how it functions in a team. That's certainly not what this you know German coaching staff is used to. I don't doubt that for a second. Um, but. I really do think that there is an understanding. I don't think Di Maria is calling the shots. What I think may have gone on in the the conversations this week in the with the coaching staff, okay, what may have gone on between, you know, between Roger Schmidt and his his staff, you know, whether it's uh Jan Wissling 
or it's uh, Javi Garcia, whoever else was in those conversations with him, is the fact that Di Maria really only played one match with with Argentina. He did not play in the home match. I think it was against Ecuador in, when they started Ecuador when they first uh, he when he first got to Argentina. Argentina. He came on very late, replaced Lionel Messi. Messi put the armband on him. And then at altitude in Bolivia, yes, it was it was Di Maria that played. Messi sat. Um, Otamendi played in both matches, obviously. Uh, and, you know, Otamendi is just a machine. But uh, Di Maria also right now proving to be very, very fit as he is playing at a fairly high level. But he is you, it is noticeable. You get to that 60-minute mark. And there is a little bit of a what we say a quebra, a break, a a drop in in aerobic ability for Angel Di Maria. And uh, there are people that were in the stadium that did capture video, and uh, did make its way around social media, make its way around uh, you know the news shows. David Nedge was set to come in in the 66th minute. Problem is something happened in the 66th minute that changed, uh, that changed the course of the rest of the match, and I guess changed Rogers' uh, opinion. And I think, I think, what may be weighing on Rogers' mind is the way that the opening match went. He took Di Maria out too early. The team kind of fell apart. Of course, a red card happened, and Di Maria was was the one that was sacrificed for that red card and we talked about it when the when the time you know when, when it happened at the time but I think that weighed on on Roger's mind pretty heavily again I'm I'm saying this without being in those conversations obviously I know him and his his staff are talking about this and they may have information we don't have any clue exists as to why Di Maria seems to play all the time right now at 35 years old. Maybe he's just trying to ride the wave that is this form of Di Maria. I used to say it all the time about PZ. PZ play, would play at a level, and when he's at that level, you want to ride that until it w- runs out because you know that wave is going to end and you want to get as much out of it. Perhaps the staff is looking at that when they look at Di Maria right now. Not saying that he is going to crash, so to speak, and definitely not putting him in the same breath as peasy but uh definitely you know maybe maybe rogers trying to to ride this out and trying to get more goals and assists out of out of di maria because right now he's the one he is producing there's no question about it he is producing and uh he played very very well in this match although he did almost early on when it was still nil nil he did lose the ball in the defensive third that nearly led to a goal scoring opportunity for vizela that is why João Mario plays on the other side. Because as much as some people want to see Neres and Di Maria on the pitch at the same time, there are situations in a match that can occur that would call for that. But it's awfully dangerous, especially on the road at a team like Vizela that can counter. Um, you need a guy in there that is a safe, a guy that is intelligent, that plays more with his brain than with his feet. And that is João Mario. João Mario for me is a future coach. Because of the mental game, and he's cerebral when he plays, and um, even when he's playing bad, he's very, very intelligent. Even when his form is not high and his confidence is not high, his intelligence is, and he's incredibly safe and incredibly secure and consistent. 
uh, in terms of taking care of the ball and not losing it, and not losing it especially in dangerous situations. And playing on the left, he knows he has Auschnitz to do a lot of the running for him. A lot of times, Romario is the guy, you know, filling in, covering when Auschnitz goes. On the right side, we didn't see Ba go forward nearly as much. That's for two reasons. One, he's got Di Maria in front of him. Who do you want running down the flank? You know, do you want Di Maria? Di Maria starts on the flank all the time and carries the ball inside. The opportunity is there for the overlap from Ba, but Ba is also limited due to his injury. And I, I believe that he, you know, the plan was to not get caught up, to not risk too much going forward, to... to Stay home and do his job defensively. Focus on his defensive responsibilities in this one. Let Di Maria have have the wing and let him create. And create he does. Befica working hard. And we move forward. All right. We move to the 39th minute. And uh, Godinho blows his whistle for a foul. Befica have a direct kick on the, not on the edge of the area, but maybe five meters outside the area. In the right center channel, perfect spot for a lefty, wouldn't you say? It was a spot that Grimaldo used to love, but we got a different lefty on the team now. Here's what happened. And uh, here we go now with another set piece. And uh, you know what? I think this one is better for uh, for Di Maria than for Goku. And it looks like it's gonna be Angelito. Yes. Di Maria! Angelito de Rosarino with the magic! The world champion with a world-class set-piece to put the figure two goals on top of his Angelito Di Maria! I love you, man. I love you, Angelito. What a perfect, perfect set-piece. Jesus, Lord. Oh. Angel Di Maria. Angelito Rosarino, I think is what he called him there. The Angel of Rosario. For those of you that don't know, that is his home city in Argentina. Just continues to score goals. Just continues to produce for Benfica. And we are getting huge production from that from that front. Uh, from most of that front three there. Uh, two out of the three. Di Maria and... Rafa, along with Musa, Musa's got two goals this season. Rafa's got goals and assists. Di Maria's got, I think, five goals. I'll, I'll go down the stats shortly. But he makes it 2-0 on a free kick that really, that video should have been played or blasted around the world. Um, very, very underrated uh, free kick. It, it looked easy. The goalie, yeah, the goalie didn't move. But you have to realize how hard it is. To hit the ball that hard from that close to get it over or around the wall and still hit the goal. The goalie didn't move because he didn't see it because it was that well of a hit. Direct kick from Angel Di Maria, the angel of Mary, and Benfica lead 2-0 going into halftime. Dominant performance in that first half. Second half. Now, I I don't remember anymore if this challenge, it ended up being called a foul against Otamendi. I don't remember if it happened in the first half of the second half. But let's just talk about it quickly before we advance to the second half. Again, I don't want to talk about referees. I, it annoys me that I know all of these guys' faces by name. And 
Di Maria clearly gets stepped on. Okay, I've lost count of the number of times in this league and in the cup as well. So in, in Portuguese matches in general, when you get stepped on, the referee gets called to the monitor. He goes to look, and nine times out of ten, it is a red card for a stamping. In the first match of the season, we I said on these airways, or I should say on this internet, it's, I'm not actually broadcasting airwaves. Obviously, this isn't an FM radio. This is a podcast, but you know what I mean when I say these airwaves. I said I could accept that red card on Musa, but... It better be a red card every time. And Musa's ball, I mean, Musa's foot rolled over the ball onto the player's shin. I know that this may have been on the foot versus on the shin. But again, it's a stamping. It could have resulted in an injury. And to top it off, the referee calls the foul against Nicolas Otamendi. The only thing missing would have been to make it an absolute two-gone play would have been if Goudinho had showed Otamendi a yellow card for getting stepped on, essentially. He called it a trip by him, which is just bizarre. But why on earth was the VAR not in the referee's ear saying, take another look at that? I don't know how many times we see that in this league and the referee gets called to the monitor and usually sends the player off. But this wouldn't be the first sending off forgiven by this VAR and by this referee in this match. Move to the second half. We get a couple of substitutions for Vizela. First, uh, they do a double substitution. In the 58th minute, on comes Alberto Soro for Nuno Moreira. And Dylan San Luis replaces Matias Lacava. Auschwitz goes into the referee's book. I can't believe this is a yellow card. I know it's a, it's not even a pen. I'm sorry. Again, I'm going to use the same principle I used for Musa's red card. If this play against Frederick Auschnitz is a never mind a yellow. If this is a penalty, that needs to be called a penalty every single time. The contact was his hand on a shoulder. If there was a push, it was a light push. If you're saying that's a penalty, again, I can live with that. But it better be a penalty every single time it happens, no matter which team commits that, that foul. I couldn't believe once again that the VAR did not overturn this decision. You watch it on video. It's the slightest touch. I mean, you are allowed to touch each other. You are allowed to get to put a hand out and make contact with your hand on someone's shoulder in this game. You see on the replay that the Vizela player's feet, he, he even does a great acting job. He puts his, he claps his two feet together. To make the sound as if he'd been he'd been kicked. The referee points to the spot with no hesitation. Doesn't review it on the monitor. Uh, the VAR apparently doesn't even recommend it. And the guy that should have been sent off, Samu, steps up. And once again, it's another situation where a guy that should be off steps up and converts a penalty against us. Okay? Or scores a goal against us frustration now David Nedge was set to come in at this moment this is what I'm being told by and this is what I'm also reading from people I don't know that were in the stadium and from people I do know who know someone who was there for example you know I don't know the degrees of separation from this but anyway I'm getting a lot of feedback that Nedge was ready to go in at this point 
this call for a penalty changed it all. And I think Roger changed his reaction because it went from 2-0 to 2-1. And it altered the way that he was uh, going to manage the rest of the match. And at this point, Nedja sat back down and Chiquinho's number was called. Again, this is another place I have to disagree with Roger. This, for me, is Florentino territory. I, if you're not going to start him, this 2-1, to one, you put him in there. Now, I know he came in later, and he did not play well. He had uh, some scary touches on the ball. Again, he came in in the highest pressure situation in the closing moments, and it led to a turnover. But I think if he comes in here in the 60, 60, uh, 71st minute, excuse me, if he comes in at that moment, I think that uh, he settles in nicely. I think the team around him reorganizes. And Befica see out this result comfortably. He opts for Chiquinho. And to be fair, Chiquinho does his job. I'm not going to sit here and hammer Chiquinho. I'm surprised Chiquinho is still here, to be honest. Um, I'm not, obviously, opposed to the player being here. I think role players are important. Not every player needs to be or can be a star. Players like Chiquinho, players like, you know, like we had before with Gilberto, players, you know, of that level are important. They are important. They do make everyone else work hard around them. Um, they bring a sense of professionalism, knowing their, their playing time is limited and still going through and doing their responsibilities day after day after day sets a precedent that uh, is contagious in a good team. And it is important to have players like this. But that substitution is made at the 71st minute. And uh, Kokshu comes out after another good performance. I think he was really good in the first half. And um, his passing ability is is second to none. There's no question. This guy is a natural playmaker. Uh, the problem is in our system, he has to play in a double pivot. For now, at least. I think if we get to a point in the season where Rafa is not in the form he's in right now, uh, you could see, you could potentially see Kokshu get some minutes there in that number ten position, and maybe we can see more of what his natural uh, capabilities are. But he is adapting; it's not an overnight process. But his performances have been quality, regardless. And I know some on the internet calling him a flop already, and we love to throw that that term around when a player isn't adapted after a month. I've I've heard people say a month. How much time do you need? Some players need a year. Play, there are players who, for their first year at a new club, regardless of the price tag, don't quite settle in, don't quite understand, um, don't quite get the nuances of their newer position. Because he didn't just switch leagues. He didn't just switch you know, languages. He didn't just go to a new country. He's playing in a different role. It's not all just center mid like some people believe. Okay, He's got different responsibilities than he's used to. And I think he, he's evolving, and I think every match he looks better. And, uh, again, just like with, with Artur Cabral, I think the time is going to come where Artur Cabral will be will be crucial on this team. Listen, I was right about – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say who I was right about here. I was wrong about some. I was wrong about RDT. I was wrong about – well, I was wrong about Ristich. We'll talk about him uh, when we talk transfers in a, in a moment. I was wrong – about Everton Cebolinha. I was wrong about him. I thought he was really going to have a big, a big, uh, perf- you know, I thought he was going to carry his form from the Resigledo into the, 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 the Tugão, but it didn't happen. Uh, but I was right about 
Otamendi when he came. I said he was going to be huge. I was I was more than right about about Darwin Nunez. Okay, I was right about Gonzalo Ramos last season when others said that he shouldn't play. I was right about João Mario when everyone said why did we go get this old guy? So. With that track record, I'm willing to put it on the line that Artur Cabral will be very important in this team in the future. There are going to be moments in this season where he is going to come up big for this team. Um, and so is Orkan Kokchu is going to become, you know, I think he's going to become instrumental to the success of this team. Got my tongue twisted there a little bit. But Benfica managed this 2-1. Really, very few opportunities for uh, Vizela to to create any real threats of equalizing in the 86th minute. Artur Cabral does come on for Petr Musa. Job well done for the Croatian um, as he's replaced by the 20 million euro man. Uh, David Nedge finally gets on in the 86th for Angel Di Maria. And Florentino Luiz gets on in the 90th for João Mario. Quickly, I'm just going to look. At the player ratings, we're going to do the FOP mob ratings in this episode. I'm not going to get into the goal point just due to time constraints here. Apologize for that. But Trubin has a 6.2. And I think Trubin arrived the moment. There was one play. The ball was played back to him. He put it on his foot. And without any effort, knocked a 70-yard ball in the air right onto Auschnitz's foot. Auschnitz on the edge of the attacking third already. That's what he's here to do. Um, I think he's going to be crucial in breaking down presses, especially in the Champions League. Um, I hope he's good between the pipes as well because he's going to see a lot of a lot of shots. Um, he's going to make mistakes. There's no question about it. He's been stopped for a while, and um, he doesn't have very many game minutes, very many match minutes. So um, a little concerned about some of these Champions League matches. But then again, he may just you know. Yeah, sometimes with the goalkeeper, once you make your first save, the muscle memory just kicks back in. You're back into your groove, and you're doing your thing. Um, so I'm interested to see this match coming up tomorrow against Salzburg. Uh, Benfica, you know, are the favorites. They're playing at home, but this is by no means an easy match. I'm not going to get to talking about the Champions League today, so I'll just quickly uh, recap the group. Salzburg, Inter Milan, Real Sociedad. These teams all... Did phenomenal this past weekend. Well, um, Inter and Sociedad, I should say. Inter Milan smashing AC Milan in the in the Derby della Modonina, the Milan Derby, five to one. And in in um, in Spain, Real Sociedad pick up a big win. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they beat Real Madrid. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. Real Sociedad is a very good team, and um, I don't think they're gonna be. Affected by the occasion, I don't think it's going to be too big for them. This group is mighty tough. Okay, I know a lot of people were happy with the draw, thinking it was in a you know a quote unquote easier group. It's it's a tough group. You've got an Inter Milan team that is probably in the best form of any team in Europe right now, and you've got like I said, a Real Sociedad that is flying, that is incredibly strong, and um. Benfica's got a they've got an uphill an uphill battle to get out of this group. Let's not kid ourselves. We sometimes get carried away like last year when we thought Inter was an easy draw. Inter should have won the Champions League final. Now that it's been played, Inter got to the final. They cruised through the the semifinals and they should have won the final. They were better than Manchester City on the day. So that is, you know, where we stand right now. Benfica winners 2 to 1 in this one. 
quick look. Oh, I was doing the I was doing the ratings. My apologies. Six point two for Trubin. Um, interested to see him play here in the Champions League. But I think we've got our goalkeeper now, and I think that is also going to add to the stability in the side. Boss eight point one, despite being you know rather limited, um, played very secure, played very safe. Otamendi seven point six. Silva seven point nine. Tony Silva. Auschwitz seven point three. I don't always agree with these with these ratings. Um, a man of the match on FOTMOB goes to João Nevish, 8.4. I think uh, Sport TV and uh, Goal Point had Rafa as the man of the match. Uh, although an 8.3 for Di Maria, 8.2 for Rafa Kokshu, 7.9. João Mario, 6.9. And Petr Musa, 8.3. The only other rating went to Shikinu with a 7.0 off the bench. Good performance from Shikinu. Couple of stats before we move on as time is is uh, creeping up on me here. Um, Befica 69% possession to 31. 1.96 expected goals. Uh, good job by Vizela holding that expected goals under 2. Uh, Vizela with 1.69 expected goals of their own. I question that a little bit. Uh, I don't really remember seeing it that way, but you can't always trust your eyes either. Uh, too many people rely on the eye test. And, well, they had three big chances. But uh, when I look at saves, I believe, let's see here. Uh, the number of saves uh, was just one save for Kokshu. So, I mean, not sorry, for Trubin. So, Again, I think Benfica did well enough there. 18 shots to 13 in favor of Benfica. Big chances, 3-3. Three to three. Uh, Accurate passes, Benfica 647 accurate passes for a 9, 89% efficiency. Uh, Vizela, this is this is a stat that's that's will drive you absolutely crazy. Vizela commits 15 fouls. Okay, Benfica commits seven. Keep those keep those in uh, keep those in mind. Benfica. Seven fouls, a yellow card. Vizela, 15 persistent fouls. It got persistent. Only two yellow cards. Referee really uh, allowing it to go on far too long. But, again, Jonevge was your man of the match. And um, if you can pick up the three points, let's look at the table. Okay. Uh, Boavista are your leaders. Actually, I'll, let me run down the results in the Liga Portugal for this week five, and then I will I will read you the table. As there were some crazy results this weekend, I know I play a predictions uh, game with the guys from the Long Ball Football Podcast on their on their Patreon, and I took a beating this weekend. I was doing good. I was in the top four. I was you know pushing for Champions League, if you will. I'm down to eighth after this weekend. Uh, absolute, <laughs> just an absolute um, weekend with. With uh, upsets that that really shocked us, so we go back Saturday. Moreira's hosting Braga. Braga three two winners in Moreira dos Conegos, and uh, this match played in front of two thousand eight hundred seventy five. And this Minho derby, uh, Braga pick up a they pick up a big win. Goals from Ron uh, from Ronnie Lopes, uh, from Simon Banza, and from Al Musarati. Although they fell behind two nil in this one, it looked like. Like they were going to drop all three points to their neighbors. And uh, that thing you just heard was Nino's telling me. He's sending me the link in a moment. Uh, so I do have to hurry here. Um, Morenes got up 2-0, like I said. 
Uh, it looked like Braga. No, I, I I apologize. It was 2-1. Braga scored first thanks to Ronnie Lopsch. I'm happy to see Ronnie Lopsch playing. Happy to see him doing well even if it is at another contender in our league. Uh, but Ronnie Lopsch got, got Braga on the board. Andre Luiz and Madsen score to, to go to halftime 2-1 in favor of Moreirense. And they hold that lead all the way to the 82nd minute. And then Banza scores in the 82nd minute. On an assist from Paulo Oliveira. And then Pizzi, our former player, our former vice captain, with the game winning assist to Al Musrati. Braga sneak out of Moreira dos Conegos with three points. Saturday, Estrela hosting Porto in maybe one of the more hostile environments Porto have played in. Uh, the, the crowd in Amadora, very lo- many of them, very, very, um, very, very. Much in favor of their team. Again, I didn't even get to the offside that was called in our, in our match. Uh, yeah, again, the VAR screwing up, calling offside against uh, Rafa on a ball that was play- not played to him. <laughs> he was called offside for a ball that was played and then flicked onto him. At the time of the flick, he was onside. I don't have time to talk about it. Listen, we know what the referees are in this league. It's a joke. We know what the VAR is. I mean, it, it's got to be fixed. Anyways, the VAR in, in this Porto match leaves everything to be desired. The match was refer- the refereeing from João Pinheiro, who, again, that name again. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Taremi scores. Porto win 1-0. Uh, a goal that shouldn't have counted, in my opinion. I know I had been... Some had told me, no, no, no. There's no foul on Pep. The two players collide. Uh, you know, the both players make contact with the ball. I agreed at the moment that I saw it. I watched it again, though. After both players make contact with the ball, in my opinion, Pep's left foot swings through and takes the Estrela player out. It is what it is. Porto, you can say what you want about their performances. They have 13 points out of 15 after five rounds, sharing the top spot with Sporting and with Boa Vista. So, they're not going to be easy to top off. We got them coming up in about 10 days' time, so um, it's not going to be easy. All right, we move to the Saturday matches. I think I read the Braga Morinis was actually part of the previous round. So that the, the round started, this round five started with Estrela and Porto. Apologize there. Uh, Saturday's matches, Rio Ave versus Famalicão. Um Another one I got wrong. I expected Fama to come out strong and to get a win on the road here. They don't. This one finishes 1-1. Goals from Topic and Cadiz. And this match was played in front of 3,075 in the uh, Stadio Chihuav in Vila Ducond. The surprise of the weekend, or one of the surprises of the weekend, comes to us from Faru, from the Stadio San Luis. 5,006 in attendance. As Fares announced their return in bi- in a big way to the first division, three one winners over Braga. Yes, goals from Bruno Duarte, Rui Costa, a missed penalty from Rui Costa, but no worry about that. Uh, Simone Banza would score again in back to back rounds to make it two one, but no worry about the missed penalty from uh, Rui Costa as Mohamed Beloimi puts in a header. From Mateusz in the 58th, Farens take all three points uh, from the Guerreiros, and uh, it is it is three to one to Farens. Uh, tough result for Braga. 
And I still think they're title contenders. It's still early days. There is a lot still to play for. Then we have our match, which we just recapped. 2-1 win over Vizela. Saturday, Aroca shocking and hurting my predictions. Losing at home, no less, to Casapia. And the Casapianos should take all three points. Congratulations. They are very good on the road. They're a team that plays better on the road than in their adopted home. I wonder why that might be. Maybe it's time to let them play in their stadium, Liga Portugal. Gil Vicente, 5-3 winners over Isturil. Victoria Guimarães. <laughs> they just, uh, they blow it late. There's no other way to put it. Carlinhos of Portimonez scores in the 81st and the 90th plus 6 to win 2-1 to one on the road in the Dom Afonso Henrique. And uh, 12,593, about 50% occupancy. Do better, Vitoria. I know this performance um, doesn't really inspire you to fill the stadium even more. But Vitoria Guimarães is one of the teams that always are known for their fans and for filling their stadium. It actually was more about of about a 30 to 40% occupancy. Uh, disappointing. Disappointing turnout. Sporting 3-0 winners at home over Moreirense. Uh, they played in front of 36,815. They really should have more as well. And then Monday's result at the Bessa. It is the leaders. It is Boavista. Two more goals from Robert Bosnick. They went 4-1 to one over, forgive me, as I'm about to call them a very pathetic Shavs right now. And uh, only 7,022 in attendance for Boavista. That also needs to be better for a team that's topping the table. Boavista lead. With 13 points ahead on goal difference. Sporting in Porto also on 13. Benfica, 12 points. Vitória Guimarães right now in 5th with 9. Casapia 6th with 8. As is Famalicão in 7th. Braga have 7 points in 8th. Gil Vicente, Ferenc, Roca all with 6 points. 12th place is Riuav, 5 points. 5th, uh, 13th place, Portimonense, 5 points. Vizela, 14th place with 4 points. Estrela Amadora and Morenes also with four points in 15th and 16th. And in the basement right now, Istoril with three points in 17th. And Shavsh, all losses, five defeats, four goals for 17 against zero points. Matches in round 16. I'm not going to get to the transfer window in this episode, so I may have to. I'll just talk about it in another one. Um <laughs> Next week's matches before I run onto YouTube, onto uh, Nino's show. Istoril, on, we start on Friday, sorry. Friday, Famalicão host Roca. Istoril host Vizela on Saturday. Morirense host Ferenc. Casapia in Rio Maior will host Vitória Guimarães. In Porto host Gil Vicente at the Dragão. Sunday, Chaves hosting Estrela da Amadora. Portimonense host Benfica. This match will kick off at 6 p.m. Portuguese time on Sunday. And then after that's over, a big one at the quarry. It is Braga hosting Boa Vista. And uh, Boa Vista is going to be looking to uh, find... They're going to hope to find a Braga team that's going to be fatigued from Champions League action uh, coming up tomorrow. We'll see what kind of shape Braga is in on Sunday. And then Monday, uh, the... We have the final match of the round, Sporting, hosting Rio Ave. Okay, leading goal scorers, Robert Bosnick, five goals. Paulinho, four. Angel Di Maria, Paulinho of Sporting, Angel Di Maria, four. Looking at the complete table, that's it. Below that, you have a whole slew of guys with three. I'm not going to read them off. That's it for episode 169. I've got to run. Uh, I will be back later this week. 
Liga 3 English is due for an episode. I got about four rounds to talk about, plus the first round of the Portuguese Cup, which featured plenty of Liga 3 sides. And I've also got a women's football update coming. Uh, the women are on an international break now, so I do have time to do that this weekend. But that's it for episode 169. Thank you for listening. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. I'm signing out. Ooh, Benfica ganhou. I'll see you next time uh, here on Mr. Benfica, part of the PTB Media Network. Oh!